0: Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity that we have in the busyness of life to come apart, to worship, to pray, to give thanks, to give of ourselves and our tithes and offering to you. And we pray that you would bless us this morning with your presence. Hide me behind Jesus. May Christ be uplifted and may the love of God be seen this morning for we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus amen amen as we noted in our children's story it's important to grow physically and there are two main aspects of our development uh, or being born into this world i should say uh, one is birth and then the other one is growth after birth. Birth is a one-time event, and growth is a continuous progression, and it's similar in the Christian experience as well. Notice what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up In your salvation here Paul uses the analogy of physical birth and growth related to experience as well even as we are born as Christians we are to grow as Christians and the question is which one is more important birth or growth don't you love these either or questions Both are essential because if you're never born, you don't exist. And if you don't grow after birth, we call that failure to thrive or a disease. There's something wrong. So it's essential to be born again as Christians, and it's also essential to grow after we have been born as well. Now, going back to our model of the sanctuary, you'll see that there are three separate compartments. Uh, You have the courtyard, you have the holy place, and you have the most holy place. And as we noted in previous presentations, the whole story, the whole message of the sanctuary is about restoration. It is about God bringing us all the way back to the state of Adam before the fall to Eden restored. So Adam and Eve were in the most holy place in the Ark of the Covenant, experience face-to-face communion with God himself. Because of sin, Eden was lost, and God brings us back to Eden in three distinct phases. And the first phase that we talked about last Sabbath is you come into the courtyard, you accept Jesus as your Savior, and you're saved. Praise the Lord for that. You have the assurance of salvation. You're baptized as represented by the laver. And then Jesus brings you into the holy place experience where you begin a process of growth and of transformation. If you look in your study guides, first segment you have there, it says, We are justified in the courtyard, we are sanctified. In the holy place, we are justified in the courtyard, we are sanctified in the holy place. And if you go back to the sanctuary model here, you come into the courtyard, you're justified, you're born again as a Christian, and then you go into the process of what we call sanctification or Christian Growth. So you're born again in the courtyard, and then you begin a continuous process of growth in the holy place. In your study guides, I have this list as well, and this is helpful. We have these terms justification and sanctification. What what does that mean? Justification is like birth, becoming alive. And sanctification is like growth, thriving, alive. Justification is accepting Jesus as your Savior. Sanctification is accepting Jesus as your Lord. Justification is God's declaration. Sanctification is God's transformation of your life. Justification is your status, your reinstatement. Sanctification is Your character being transformed. Justification is your title for heaven. Sanctification is your fitness for heaven. Justification is what God thinks of us. Sanctification is what we think of God. Justification is the imputed righteousness of Christ. Sanctification is the imparted righteousness of Christ. Justification is like getting married. Sanctification is staying married. Justification is God's pardon. Sanctification is God's power. Justification is the objective gospel, what God does for you. And sanctification is the subjective gospel, what God does in you. So this, these are some ways that we can look at justification and, and sanctification. It's being born again and growing in Christ after birth. Now, these terms are used together in, in Scripture, and they're both important to the Christian life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, the Bible says, "...such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Both of these elements are important for our Christian development and growth. And notice what Jesus said to the woman that was caught in adultery in John chapter 8 verse 11. Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn you. What is that? That is justification. Jesus said, I forgive you. I don't condemn you. Praise the Lord that the Lord doesn't condemn us. Amen? He is not out to get us. He's not out to zap us. Here's this woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, and Jesus looks at her and says, look, I don't condemn you. And then after that, he says, go and sin no more. That is power. Power to sin no more. That wasn't a command. That was a promise. He said, go and sin no more. That is the promise of sanctification. So Jesus gives the full package to this woman. I don't condemn you. Pardon. Go and sin no more. Power to live a victorious Christian life. Justification is pardon from sin. Sanctification is power over sin. And both are essential for the Christian experience. What if you had an addiction and the good news was you were forgiven for your past record of sins, but the bad news was you were going to be addicted to that substance or that habit for the rest of your life? That wouldn't be the full package of good news. The good news is that there is power for every addiction for every habit that we may be struggling with. Amen? Jesus offers pardon and power for the sinner. And I noted this in an earlier presentation, and I think this is a good principle for us to follow when we look at these tensions throughout Scripture. Johannes Kepler, when he was observing the the path, the orbit of planets in our solar system, he noticed that the orbit was not in a perfect circle the numbers just did not add up and much of the assumption prior to that point was that the the orbit path of these planets was a perfect circle but he came to the conclusion that it was actually an ellipse The planetary motion was in an elliptical shape, not in a circular shape. And the difference between an ellipse and a circle is that a circle centers on one central point. You have one point and then you have a perfect radius around it. That is what makes a circle. Whereas an ellipse centers on two central points. So you have two central points. You can do this at home and uh, put two tacks, a piece of string, and circle it around and it will form an ellipse. Our our solar system and our planets circle the sun in an elliptical shape, centering on two central points. And this is the way our, our universe and our planets stay in balance. When it comes to theology, I believe it's important when we have these tensions to keep them in an ellipse to center them in in both for instance in pardon and power in justification and sanctification in other words it's not either or it's both and we need both pardon and power we need to have Jesus to free us from the penalty of sin and also to free us from the power of sin. There's other elements in scripture that have this tension as well. One of them is, is Jesus human or divine? This has been a big theological argument uh, in circles for 2,000 years since Jesus was on this earth. And some persuasions emphasize more of the humanity of Jesus. Others emphasize the divinity of Jesus to the negation of the other. But we need to affirm both realities. Jesus is both divine and human, and it's a mystery. And We need to keep these in a tension, and there's mysteries beyond which we are revealed. And I believe that even in heaven, the incarnation of Jesus will be a mystery. And we need to be okay with that. The same is true for law and grace. If you emphasize law to the negation of grace, then you have legalism. If you have grace and then you say there is no law or no purpose for the law, you have cheap grace or grace that is a license to sin. So these elements are important, pardon and power, justification and sanctification, And if we use the sanctuary model, um, we have both there in the sanctuary. You have the courtyard and the holy place, and we keep them where they need to be in the Christian experience. Now this is from Steps to Christ, and if you have not read the book Steps to Christ, uh, it's a beautiful book that describes God's love for us and His provisions of how we can have the assurance of salvation and eternal life. This is from Steps of Christ, page 63. Our only hope, our only ground of hope is in the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and in that working by his spirit, working in and through us. Notice she includes both. She includes the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, that's justification, and then by his Spirit working in and through us, the subjective element, that is sanctification. So she affirms the reality of Scripture, that we are justified and we are sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, do you grow in one day physically there's some animals that grow faster than others. Human beings—it uh, takes years for us to develop. And in the modern age, it seems like we have this extended adolescence period. Now, we won't get into that, but but growth for a human being takes a long time. When you have a a son or a daughter, that's a nowadays it used to be, you know it used to be 18, but nowadays that's a 20 plus year investment. It takes time for growth for maturity. So. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, and this has implications about Christian growth. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Notice that the Bible here is drawing an analogy between the Christian growth process and the rising of the sun. Now, how does the sun rise? Does the sun rise like in the cartoons, just pops up, you know, immediately at noon in just a couple seconds? Can you imagine what that would be like? We would be blinded. It would be intolerable to go to the height of noon, especially in a summer in Alaska, just in an instant. But here it says that the Christian experience is like the gradual shining and rising of the sun. The implications are clear. When you're born again in Jesus Christ, the development and growth is gradual. It's not immediate, and many times it's even unconscious to us. When I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I had many character flaws. I still do. And I'm so glad that Jesus, in his mercy, did not show me all of the rough spots that he was going to start working on at once. Praise the Lord for his mercy. I would have been overwhelmed. Imagine if he you know, gave the list, David, uh, you're saved in Jesus, but oh, we've got some rough areas we've got to work on. All right, and and this and this scroll just goes out, you know, for like seeming eternity, and he's like, I would have been like, uh, I give up. There's there's no point. But what I found is that the Lord picks one area. Like David, you'd be a lot happier if you were patient. And then he puts you through circumstances. How do you develop patience? By the way, <laughs> yeah, children, yeah, <laughs> by being around a lot of. Irritating people sometimes Uh, I remember I asked the Lord for patience one day and that day went terrible, you know uh, You get patience by being stretched Okay, that's how those rough spots are are honed down and I praise the Lord that Even though I'm nowhere near where I need to be in my Christian experience that the Lord loves me so much that he brings me through circumstances and events to hone my character. This is sanctification. So that I am so much more a happier person today than I was at the beginning of my Christian experience. And I'm a lot easier to live with as well. Praise the Lord. And this is the way the Christian experience is. It's gradual. So here we have a, a, uh, a one way of illustrating it. You have birth at justification, and then you have growth in sanctification. Now, in reality, uh, this is the ideal of how it can go, but this is not the reality of many times how it it does go. Are you following me? It's more like the New York Stock Exchange. You know, it's like, it's kind of up and down. And I was quite discouraged in my Christian experience because it wasn't like this straight line toward translation after birth it was like you know there were these dips and these falls and so forth and but but there was this this progress and this development that took place what i realized was i had a a wrong assumption about the way the christian experience went i thought i accept jesus i'm baptized and then suddenly All of those old neural pathways, those habits that I've been developing, those sinful neural pathways, um, they would suddenly be just removed after baptism or after accepting Jesus. I came to the realization from experience and from scripture that this is not what takes place. You don't suddenly get a lobotomy at At baptism what what the Lord does is that He helps you to build new neural pathways. He gives you the grace and the power to do that, but there is during this process there is this challenge that w- that we face, and in reality um, there is some falling there's some Mistakes. Uh, there's some challenges, and um, I want to read from Christ Object Lessons, page sixty-five. At every stage of development, our life may be perfect. Yet, if God's purpose for us is fulfilled, there will be continual advancement. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. In other words, you can never come to the place in your Christian experience, and you say, "Look, I've arrived. I, I'm there." I'm fully sanctified. If you have, you're actually very deceived, okay? Uh, you, You can never come to the place where you say, look, I'm holy and I've made it. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. And look at this, it's from the Bible Echo, 1892. The closer you come to Jesus, the more faulty you will appear in your own eyes. For your vision will be clearer and your imperfection will be seen in distinct contrast with his perfect character. Be not discouraged, This is evidence that Satan's delusions are losing their power. Now, this is the paradox of how the Christian experience works. The closer you come to Jesus, the more aware you are that you aren't holy. This is not to say that we're depressed and always looking at our faults, but this is to point out the reality that we will never come to the place where we will say, if we're walking in Jesus... I'm perfect, or I've arrived. Quite the contrary, you will have a, a, a keen sense of your own unworthiness. Um, I think of that woman that came to Jesus and asked, uh, or Jesus asked her, who is it that condemns you? And, uh, and then he said to her, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Um, her path after that experience it was not this straight path toward translation. It was quite the contrary. Uh, She fell back into her old ways many times. Uh, This is from Luke chapter 8, verse 2. Among them were Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. So Mary fell back into her old lifestyle. She even was demon-possessed. And this is uh, from desire of ages five sixty eight pointing out that these seven demons uh, were 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 actually seven instances in which these demons were cast out. Seven times he had heard she had heard his rebuke of the demons that controlled her heart and mind. So here Jesus is with this woman, tells her, neither do I condemn you, you're justified. Go be sanctified, go and sin no more. And yet, seven times he had to cast demons out of her. This shows you the way that Jesus relates to us when we fall. And this is from Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. For a righteous man falls how many times? Falls seven times. And rises again. The difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man is that the righteous man gets back up. The wicked man falls once and doesn't get back up. Uh, When I came to the Lord, there were certain uh, sins that fell off immediately. There were other habits that dogged me. That I had to go back to the Lord over and over again and say, "Lord, I, I, I'm sorry, I messed up again." And the key to the Christian experience is to keep getting back up. Amen. Amen. And uh, there, there's uh, studies that have come out in in neurology, and this is from a a psychologist. He says, "Brain scientists have discovered." That any thought or action that is often repeated is actually building these little boutons on the ends of certain nerve fibers that it becomes easier to repeat that same thought or action every time Establish habits make literal pathways frequent repetition of the same thought feeling or action where a deeper groove just as repeated walking over a lawn will wear a deep path on the sod. There's actual physical changes that take place when you do a habit or an action over and over again. It becomes a habit. Um, I think that much of what we do, we do automatically. Do you remember the first time you learned to drive a car? It took a lot of concentration and intentionality, but now you do it automatically. And... Uh, this is another quotation from Dr. Chalmers. He says, so when you fall, the thing to do is get up and start working on that new pathway again. You never lose ground on that new pathway. Those boutons are not erased by the occasional fall. Praise the Lord for that. Many times we get discouraged in our Christian experience when we're just learning how to walk. We fall, but the, the reality is That even as we are getting up and falling, getting up and falling, that we are actually building those pathways for the victorious Christian life. There's grace through the journey. There's grace even when we are falling. And this is from Steps of Christ, page 64. We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes. But we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken, and rejected of God. Praise the Lord for that. So many times we have this assumption that when we fall, God is this stern individual that is going to be very harsh with us because we've messed up. Quite the contrary. Another couple quotations on the The reality of sanctification and how it works, our characters are not set times and occasions, but by the spirit and trend of the whole life. Review and Herald, August 16, 1892. The character is revealed not by occasional good deeds and uh, occasional misdeeds, but by the tendency of the habitual words and acts. So it's the trend of the life that is the important thing. Which way are you headed? Are you becoming more like Jesus day by day? And what is your trajectory? Now, the important thing to recognize about sanctification and growing in Jesus is that it's not how far you get. It's about being in the process. It's about continuing to walk with Jesus and to grow with Jesus. The thief on the cross... He lived a few hours after Jesus died. He accepted Jesus. Jesus said, you have the assurance of eternal life. I believe that he began to grow, but he didn't get very far. The point is, it's not about getting to a certain point and saying, look, I've arrived. It's about being in the process. So as long as you're in the process and you've accepted Jesus, you're going to be saved. Amen? You die today. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for one minute or for a hundred years, you're just as saved. It doesn't matter how far you've grown or how much you've grown. The point is you've begun the process. That's the beautiful thing about the Christian experience. Now we we have this example of how Jesus reacts to us when we mess up. This is from uh, uh, an illustration of Jesus uh, being on trial and Peter denying Jesus three times. And this is from the book Desire of Ages, recounting um, how uh, Peter denied Christ. Uh, Desire of Ages, page 713 and 714. While the degrading oaths were fresh upon Peter's lips, and the shrill crowing of the cock was still ringing in his ears, the Savior turned from the frowning judge's and looked full upon the poor disciple. The gospel account tells us that, that um, Peter had, in using very colorful sailors' language, was going to show that he was not a follower of Jesus because they were known for their purity of speech. And so he's using a bunch of expletives. And in the midst of his expletive tirade, the rooster crows, And Jesus turns to look at Peter. What do you think was in the face of Jesus? What do you imagine is in the face of Jesus when you mess up? I mean, this is open denial. And the Desire of Ages goes on. At the same time, Peter's eyes were drawn to his master. And in that gentle countenance, he read deep pity And sorrow, but there was no anger there. This is a picture of how God views us. When we fall, when we mess up, when we make mistakes, um, I think we project a lot of different things onto God that are unbiblical and simply not true. We have this picture of God that is going to be angry when we fall. But here we see the grace in the face of Jesus. In that gentle countenance, he read deep pity and sorrow, but there was no angry countenance there. The sight of that pale, suffering face, those quivering lips, that look of compassion and forgiveness pierced Peter's heart like an arrow. The Bible tells us that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. When we recognize what Jesus or the heart of Jesus and what his heart is really feeling and looking like when, he, when we sin, um, it draws us to him. Going back to this quotation from Steps to Christ as we close, we shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes, but we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken, and rejected of God. The important principle to remember is that after we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, and after we've accepted Him as Lord, and we're growing in grace, there is plenty of grace through the journey. Amen? There's more than abundant grace for when we fall. And it's not about how long we are in the process. It's about being in the process. It's about, not about our trajectory track record. It's about our trajectory. And let us pray and ask the Lord to continue to bless us in our Christian experience with him. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for grace. We thank you for the grace of God that pardons and gives us power. And Lord, I, I know that there's someone here that is, is feeling condemned, is feeling that god is is out to get us when we make a mistake and lord we pray that you would you would fill us with a vision of jesus and as to who the father and who jesus really is and that in these moments that we would look to you that we claim your promise of pardon and power to live a victorious christian life we thank you so much for hearing and answering our prayers for we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.